Good morning. We got there. My name's Adam. I'm glad you're here. I like that church feels more like a family than a business. I say that sometimes, that we're not an institution. But the church was always meant to be a people movement. And in the Old Testament, it's described as the people of God. And in the New Testament, it's described as the, the body of Jesus, the bride of Jesus, the body of the church. Um, we're a family, which is why we can pray for parents, because raising kids is not as easy as we th- thought it was before we had kids. Um, and teachers, because they went into this profession, and then something else happened, and they didn't see that coming. Uh, It's good to be able to mark those occasions and to notice those things and to see, uh, um, to celebrate, and at times to to grieve. And we do all that in in the context of family. There's some things to celebrate. I want to wish congratulations to Darcy and Sam on their engagement. And a celebration that I never get tired of, which Amanda uh, told us about. We're going to celebrate baptism with Cheryl afterwards. I love those moments. They're the best moments. They're moments that I want to be seeing often. We've missed people the last year. Uh, some people are still online. Some people aren't, aren't with us in the way we would like them to be. And that can be quite disappointing at times, but not because it's numerically important, but because we miss people. The highlights are these moments where we've met new people and they've met Jesus in new ways. Baptism is the kind of pinnacle of that. I met with Cheryl this week. Uh, she's not going to come up and speak, but she said something to me, which I think I can probably capture and portray to you. She said, I always knew about Jesus and God, but now I want to know more than just know about someone, but I want to know Jesus, and I want to follow him in that way. And that's, that's the best gift that as a church we can celebrate, so it's wonderful to be able to do those things. Over the next few weeks and months as we go into this almost new beginning, often September feels like here we go again. It's almost like a second January, a second start. There are a number of things as a church we're going to be outlining that we want to give attention to, bolster, energize, and launch. Groups and other things are coming up over the next few weeks. For somebody that's got my kind of personality, I like that. I like action. I like what are we doing, where are we going, and how do we measure it? I like things that are immeasurable. When you have these long meetings at the end of the meeting, you don't know what the action is or how you can measure whether it worked or not. As part of me, it's like, oh, I kind of like that function, action, let's go somewhere and do something. And again, the last year and a half has kind of detained us. So I'm excited by that. But before I get to action and where we're going and what we're doing, I want to pause and actually talk about us and what's going on inside of us. And if action is often external and what we're doing around us, this is the opposite. This is internal. This is personal. There's going to be some moments of reflection and consideration where I want to encourage you to consider what's going on inside of you. Because what is going on inside of you will determine what happens outside of you. What is going on inside will shape what comes out. It always does. It always has. Let me start with a question. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, 
And they may work in the field of sales. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm not trying to sell you this, but. And when they get to the word but, you were believing them all along. And then that word, it's like the computer cursor highlights the previous sentence and presses delete. This small shift but changes, I'm not trying to sell you this, but. I'm not trying to persuade you to think like this, but. Uh, somebody introduced me to the, the, the sales phrase, commission breath. And I'd not considered that before. Uh, it was Tommy. And he said, when somebody smells that scent, there's a shift. Suddenly, wait a minute. That's the moment you think, oh, what's going on? The reason we don't like that, or the reason we notice that, is because what is going on inside of them, the other person, that I'm not trying to show you this, but, comes out. And we realize, oh, wait a minute. You kind of were. Well, actually, you blatantly are. There is this shift, because what is inside of us comes out of us. And I want to, yes, over the next few weeks and months, talk about what we want to do outside of us. But we can't get to that before we start by saying, what's going on inside of us? So we're going to look at some things. I'm going to show you two aspirational Bible verses that inspire me, energize me, put fuel in my tank. We'll put them on the screen. They're both short. First one is to the end of Mark's gospel, the second book in the New Testament, Mark 16, verse 20 says this, then the disciples went out, let me just start, the word then, this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus, they've seen wonders, they've heard Jesus' teaching, they're at the end of the book, and it starts with then, this is the what happens next, this is the what happens outside of them, for context, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed word by the signs that accompanied it. I love that idea. I love that idea that our time here ends and then we go out and we preach boldly and there's signs and wonders that accompany it. I like that because it's fruitful, it's action, it's energy, it's changing the world. I love that idea. Look at this next passage, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 to 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, who was not a perfect candidate to be used by God, but God in his grace chose to use him, which brings us all into the mix. It says this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is what's going on outside of him. Now, for some of us, we can aspire to the what's going on outside and fail to recognize that it begins inside. So Paul was traveling, ministering, preaching, teaching in all sorts of diverse contexts. This is not a Sunday 10 o'clock in the morning shift. This is a daily traveling moment. 
And for some of us, that's attractive. That's inspiring. That's energetic. I want to be around that. I'd like that to be a description of me, and I'm not convinced it always is. I'd like that to be a description of us, that as we leave, we go boldly, and the signs and wonders and the power of God accompany us everywhere we go. I've used the phrase a few times this year that I'm praying for a Jesus revolution. That term talks of dramatic change and shift, power and a different way of seeing things. Instead of this expectation, God steps in and we experience a very different situation. I love that idea. When I read the stories of Jesus, he was truly revolutionary in the way he ministered, the way he loved, the way he listened, and the signs and wonders accompanied that. I can't get away from the fact that Jesus asked his followers to follow him and to participate in what he was doing, to go out and do and say the same things. So we are meant to be Jesus revolutionaries too. I like that stuff. But pedal backwards, it starts with what's going on inside of us. You can't bring something outside of you if it isn't inside of you. We probably can't see all the fruit happening around us if something inside us is out of tune. It just doesn't work. So I want us to pause and consider, and I want us to reflect. I'm going to lead a meditation, and I'm going to put a passage on the screen, and we're going to go in a different pace. Like I say, we're about to fire the gun of September, and we're going to explain some vision and some values and things, but before we get to that over the next few weeks, I want us to pause, and I want this to be personal. I'm going to put this passage on the screen, Psalm 139. And I've got an image for this as an image to reflect on. And we're going to have it here in the room. And for those that are joining us online, you're looking at the same thing. This is a passage that's familiar but it's a very personal prayer. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask us all to read it, and we're going to do some different things with it. So this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We don't often do this, but let's all read this at the same time. And if you're joining us online, do the same. I've said this a few times. The people online aren't there to watch. This is not a TV show. Participate. Join us. Why don't we all read this at the same time? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And just quietly now, close your eyes. I'm going to read it again. We'll put it, keep it on the screen. Just with your eyes closed. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just to consider this passage. Search me. You cannot hide. You can open your eyes if you like. You can't hide. The first book of the Bible, the early pages of Genesis, there's the story of people and they do what people do. We mess up and we stray and we do things that we shouldn't do. Their name is Adam and Eve. It's a familiar story to many of us. And they miss the mark and they mess up and they did something they wish they hadn't done. And their initial hope was hopefully God didn't see. He did see. He always sees. You can't hide. Later in the Psalms, there is this passage, I can't hide from your presence. If I go to heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. It doesn't matter what I try and do. I can't hide. Now, I don't say that to scare you because most of us have got things that we wish we could conceal. But I want to look at this opening passage and say, may I encourage you with openness because you can't hide anyway, to be able to say, search me. I fully open myself up to you, God. Search me. Because you know it's there anyway. So come on in. That's where it begins. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Normally when someone believes there may be, there is. So the fact that the psalmist is saying, I know I've got anxious thoughts. And I know at times it leads to offensiveness. Own it. Don't pretend you haven't. Own it. Come before the God that loves you, that sees you, and that wants to help you, not tell you off and correct you. And own it and say, God, I've got some stuff. I've got some baggage. There's some trends and patterns. There's some things that happen inside of me that I know aren't right. Own your stuff. Search me and know my anxious thoughts. The times when I say one thing, but I'm thinking something else. The times when I'm way off the mark. Own it. He knows anyway. Own it. And then thirdly, the passage ends asking for change. Lead me in the way everlasting. It's like saying, lead me in a better way. I'm going in this direction. I want to go in a better direction. I remember when I was a kid saying sorry for doing something I shouldn't do. And my mom especially saying, you can't just say sorry and do it again. Every parent said that. If you haven't said that yet, and at some point in the future you're going to be a parent, you're going to say that. It's going to happen. I quite like the repentiveness of this passage that says, God, come in. I've got some stuff and I've got to own it. Help me not just to be forgiven, but help me to be led in a better direction. The way everlasting talks about eternity. talks about 
this moment that changes us now, may it continue to change us for all time. May we not go back and be saying the same prayers of apology time and time again. But God, lead me in the way everlasting. So I want us to reflect and chew on this passage. The Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language, in a word-for-word translation of the opening line of this familiar psalm from Hebrew to English reads this. Examine me and see the integrity of my devotion. I'll say that again. Examine me and see the integrity of my devotion. That's powerful. That's personal. At times it's painful because I don't know if you're going to like what you're going to see. The integrity of my devotion. What is inside of you will come out of you. And for those of us that want to see a Jesus revolution, that want the story of the first followers of Jesus and people like the Apostle Paul to be our story too, it starts with what's inside of you. So examine me, Lord, and know the integrity of my devotion. Devotion talks about being devoted. Am I devoted to following you first and doing things for you second? The phrase that's increasingly kind of old-fashioned now was people used to be spoken about of that person married someone for their money. May we not marry Jesus for what he can do for us, but may our commitment to him begin with personal devotion to him. Examine me and know the integrity of my devotion. What is inside of you will come out of you. Let me give you an example. And it's a silly, funny story, which has not happened once. It's happened a few times. Have you ever noticed that sometimes if you've got headphones on and you like the music, sometimes you join in the music without the awareness that those people around you that aren't wearing headphones are not hearing the same music. And you find yourself singing or humming or something to that nature. And normally it's okay, but sometimes people look at you strangely. You think, why are they looking at me strangely? So we like to exercise, and we used to live very near to the, the Y, and we would use the elliptical. And sometimes I would listen to, to music quite often. Sometimes I would listen to uh, worship music. Sometimes it was part of my quiet time, my devotion. It's good to sit in a, prayer, in a, in a kind of prayer chair and read the Bible, but sometimes I like to move and to exercise and to go for walks or something. This was one of those days I felt like I needed to move. I'm on the elliptical, and I'm listening to some music. And there was a real sense of God's presence in the music. It was powerful. I didn't want to miss it. I went with it. When I was in the gym at first, there was no one there. And you're going along, and the eyes are closed, and there's no one there. And then um, I'm worshiping, and I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit's presence. Uh, I felt God's power in a powerful way. I went for it. I was... I, I, I don't sing like Sue and Rock sing. And other people in the gym would, would agree with that. But um, it was one of those moments where the devotion of the heart uh, was more important than what might be slightly embarrassing. I finished, 
recognize there were lots of people there, slightly awkward. English people can be sociably a bit awkward anyway. And suddenly, it's like, oh, this is strange. How do you explain this away? I thought, oh, maybe you just don't. Uh, and as I left, I, I bumped into somebody that I knew who was going in. And within a, a few moments of just greeting, how are you doing? I found myself talking to this person about Jesus. And it was an easy conversation. It was easy to speak to this person about Jesus and what we believe and what difference that could make in this person's life. It was easy. I reflected afterwards, why was that so easy? Sometimes, as someone who loves to do that and wants to do that all the time, it's not easy. Sometimes I have to make myself do it. Sometimes it feels a bit forced, a bit awkward, not easy. Why was this time easy? On the backdrop of an embarrassing worship moment on the elliptical. This is why. When we're following Jesus passionately for ourselves internally, what's going on inside of us will always flow from us. And the word flow is a fitting word because what's inside of us will come out of us. So if you're in this room thinking, I want to be a part of a church that's going and changing the world, because I do, it starts here. So examine me and know the integrity of my devotion. I'm going to go in a different direction. I want to read a meditation, and I want to encourage you to step into the story. It's quite personal. It's a story that's familiar to some of you of a miracle of Jesus' ministry. And I want to encourage you to be comfortable. Don't be on your phone. Uh, if you can, you know, feet flat on the ground and just pray and just breathe for a few seconds and I'm going to read this story. It's only a page and a half. It's not too long. I'm not going to tell you how to respond to this. I'm not going to tell you what to do with this. But I want to encourage you to, to enter this and to consider. Imagine you're in first century Capernaum. You are a paralyzed invalid lying on an old stretcher, unable to move. You hear a commotion outside, the sound of people running and shouting. Occasionally you hear what sounds like a name being called, Joshua, or was that Yeshua? And you've heard that name recently, people talking about the carpenter's son from Nazareth. You begin to remember that before you were struck down with this illness, as a child playing with friends, was a boy called Jesus, and there was something about him you couldn't quite fathom. He had a peace and authority as well as a great sense of fun. As you are musing, suddenly in burst four friends who say they are going to take you to see this man Jesus who everyone is talking about. I wonder who these four friends might be. Maybe in your mind, choose the four friends you would want these people to be. And now imagine this. Imagine the feeling of this. They pick you up and carry you out of the house 
and through the dusty streets until they come to a house which is bustling with people, clamoring to see and hear what is going on. One of your friends tells you that Jesus is teaching the crowd about God's kingdom, but you can't get in because it's too busy. Your friends put the stretcher on the ground with a bit of a bump, and you hear them discussing how to go about getting into the house. Then they pick you up and announce, we're going in through the roof. So up the steps at the side of the house, they carry you, and they start taking the roof apart. Soon there is a hole large enough to get you through, and they gingerly lower you down through the hole. Others inside reach up to save you from crashing to the floor. There is a great commotion. Cries of astonishment at what has just happened. But this quietens as you sense a presence in the room, which from your poor vantage point you can't explain. Suddenly you are looking into the smiling face of a man you somehow seem to recognize. It's the man Jesus. And you are filled with a sense of awe, wonder, and certain unease at his searching eyes cut into your heart. You're not quite sure how you feel or should be feeling right now. Perhaps your whole life flashes before you and you really want to run away, but of course you can't. Why did my friends bring me here, you ask yourself. And then he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Commotion breaks out in the house and Jesus disappears for some time. And you hear a heated discussion which seem to make out something about only God forgiven sins. And yet he's saying something about getting up and walking. Then here he is again, looking straight at you. He says, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. You jump to your feet, and picking up your stretcher, you walk towards the door. The crowd parts with expressions on their face of amazement, and you're joined by your friends as you skip back down the road towards your home. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. My encouragement and the reason for doing this exercise is we have to keep our gaze on Jesus. Everything else will flow from that. What's inside you will come out of you. And in this story that to some is familiar, it kind of connects with that psalm. We begin with brokenness and we're fragile, we're fallen. We don't work like we should work. And this person knows that and owns it. It's uncomfortable to own it. Sometimes you want to run away. The story, the meditation tells the emotion of, maybe I don't want to be this close to Jesus. 
But yet when we find ourselves close to Jesus, there is the smile and the gaze, which is poignant and at times personally painful because he can see all the stuff. And there's a moment where he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then there is the healing. And then there's the fireworks and the excitement. Most of us want that bit. It starts with the other bit. It starts with locking eyes with Jesus in a personal gaze. It starts with, search me and know the integrity of my devotion. That's where it begins. And everything else flows from that. So my encouragement to you is to pray a prayer that's familiar. Feel me afresh. Fill me afresh. And sometimes to be filled, we have to empty ourselves. I forgot to bring this as a prop, but I'll tell the story to illustrate. I've got a glass bottle. It's one of those glass bottles that's got a cap on that's stuck and you flip it over. And Sometimes I use it to put milk in. If I go fishing overnight and I've got my kettle, I'll take this glass bottle and it has about half a pint in it. It's a good size. I don't want to take a big one. Uh, recently, we didn't have any milk in the office. And as someone who is fairly committed to drinking tea in the mornings, I brought some milk from home in this glass bottle. Now, if you've ever had a glass bottle and you had milk in it, even after you've emptied it out, there's a residue of milk in the bottom. And it's really annoying and hard to get rid of. So I put it in the sink. I turn the tap on and the water's pouring in and overflowing. And still, there's a residue of milk in the bottom. I couldn't get rid of it. And I felt God say something to me about this picture that I feel fits as we kind of bring this message together. You can't just pour clean on top. Sometimes you have to pick the bottle up and fully empty it. Sometimes you have to give it a bit of a shake. Sometimes we have to fully empty ourselves before the Lord before we can ask him to fill us afresh. Otherwise, we're just pouring clean water in, but there's still the residue of the milk in the bottom. So I want to encourage us to pray through that psalm, and we're going to worship Jesus. And I want to encourage you in this moment and beyond this moment, tomorrow, the next day, wherever it is. For some, it's in a chair. For others, it's on an elliptical in a gym. Wherever it is, remember, the most important thing is that our gaze is maintained on Jesus. The integrity of our devotion begins in that direction. And then the action and the revolutionary power of God that we crave to see flows from that place. Because what is inside you is what will come out of you. Why don't we stand? Rox is going to lead us in some songs and in some ways, this is a personal response. If, if there's anyone here and you don't know Jesus in the way that we're talking about Jesus, and you would like to, uh, then very simply pray, Jesus, I've missed the mark and I want to invite you in. I've messed up frequently and I don't want to pretend any longer. Please forgive me. 
And please help me to know you, not just know about you. Just while everyone's here and you've got your eyes closed. If there's anyone that's praying that prayer and it's for the first time or you prayed it a long time ago and you kind of need to press the reset button and start again. The prayer that says, Jesus, I've messed up and I've hidden it for too long. I want to own it and ask you to forgive me. Just put your hand up in the air. I want to pray a special prayer of blessing for you. Lord, I pray for the people that today are saying, I want to start fresh. I want to press a reset button. I want to begin by saying, Lord, know the integrity of my devotion. Lord, bless them today. Lord, may this be a great new beginning. And then for us, for many of us, Lord, help us to begin by, yeah, looking inside and saying, Father, search me and know me. My anxious thoughts, my offensive way, God, forgive me. And lead me in a better way. Lead me in the way everlasting. And may my gaze never stray 